I want to read to you some, some scriptures here because I want to show something to you. Turn over to Matthew, or Hebrews, excuse me, chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And I want to look at verse 1. We've been talking on Wednesday nights about um, intimacy with God, and we've really been getting into it in, in great detail. And it's been very powerful on Wednesday nights, but we've been talking about how the tabernacle has three sections, and it has the outer court, it has the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And the, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, look what it says in the, in the first verse of, of Hebrews 8. It says, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So whenever God gave Moses the plan and said, build this tabernacle according to how I, the plan that I give you, it was an exact picture of the one in heaven. But now, because of Jesus, man, let's just read it. Go over to, um, you're there, go to chapter 10, verse 19. Chapter 10, verse 19. And it says this, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, his flesh. Remember the veil in the temple was ripped into, his flesh was ripped from his body. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then turn over to Hebrews 6. And we'll read one more scripture. Hebrews 6, verse 19, says this. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Veil is another word for curtain, same thing. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever. Think, ask yourself this question. What was the purpose of everything that Jesus did? Jesus, the creator, comes to live among the creation, to walk as a created being, right? To live among us, to be betrayed, to suffer physically in his body, to accept and receive every detestable, horrible, unimaginable sin. And he lived a sinless life. So all this sin comes on him, on the cross. He dies on a cross. He goes to hell, center of the earth. He takes back everything that belonged to you and I, the enemy stole in the Garden of Eden. He takes back death, hell, and the grave. He's got the keys. He leads, leads captivity captive. But then he rises from the dead, comes back to earth, encourages the disciples, the sins on high. And where is he now? He pours his blood out on the mercy seat, becoming 
the, the ultimate sacrifice, there would never need to be the sacrifice of another animal. Blood would never need to be shed again. He became the lamb that was slain, right? He pours his blood out. Then what happens? Now he's made high priest forever. High priest forever. And he sits at the right hand of God, ever making intercession for you and I. He gave his life and he's still giving his life for you and I. Why? Why? So, so you and I could have our sins forgiven? Why does God hate sin so much? Do you know why? Because it separates us from him. It separates us. We can't fellowship with him. We can't have a relationship with him. Do you know relationship's important because relationship leads to friendship, doesn't it? Friendship is not automatic. It, it develops into that, right? And so relationship's important for us to have a relationship with God. And so as we come into this relationship with him, it's possible to become a friend of God. Abraham did. Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses came to such a place in his relationship with God that he talked face to face with God as a friend talks to another. Enoch was walking with God and fellowshipping with him every single day, walking in such a level of relationship and presence with God that God just finally said, I can't stand it anymore, I'm taking you. Now that's how God takes people, by the way. Because, I, I, man, people, I've, I've done enough funerals. Well, God just saw fit to take them. No, God doesn't take people through sickness, disease, destruction, death, cancer. God doesn't take people that way. Enoch was walking with God and suddenly he's in heaven. <laughs> suddenly Enoch's like, whoa, that, well, that's over. <laughs> you know, and suddenly he's walking with God. Elijah, what happened to Elijah? The, some kind of something came down out of heaven and he got on it and he was, God, he was healthy. Think about even Moses. Moses. God says to Moses, Moses, climb the mountain because you're going to die today. Moses is not weak. His eyesight is not dim. He's strong enough to climb a mountain and get to the top, top lay down, and God puts him to sleep. That's the way God takes people. God doesn't take people through using tools that the enemy intends to steal kill and destroy all right all right so here's where I want to go with this now turn over to John 15 I hope this is okay because man I got stirred during worship all right I will I'm coming all right let's look at John 15 look at verse 1 familiar verse for you John 15, verse 1, I'm reading out in the New King James. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You could use the word farmer. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself 
else that abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So I want to look, I want to go back and look at verse 2. You go back and look at verse 2 with me. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So both branches are in him. But one branch is bearing fruit, the other branch is not. Do you see that? Meaning, you, so you can be attached and not bear fruit. Okay. All right. So let's look at verse three. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Over in John 17, 17, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus, another name for Jesus is the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Okay, so then in verse four, he says this. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So look back at verse two. Verse two said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit is taken away. And then he says, but he, but he, doesn't, say I he doesn't say that he was in him. This is what I want to point out. You can be in him without him being in you. You can be attached to the vine without receiving the, the, resource, the, the nutrients that you need from him, the life that he gives. So, so we can come to church and we can... Pray and receive Jesus and receive the forgiveness of sins and all the blessings that, that come to us and not really ever be in Him. I believe what God is calling us to is a place where we walk past the outer court, the holy place, and where we come and we abide and live in the holy of holies with Him. And I'll... I'll I, Hopefully, I'm showing it to you from the Word, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it to you before it's over. So, how do we abide in Him? Let me read to you this scripture. 1 John 3, verse 24 says this. Now, we keep His commandments. Now, I'm sorry. Now, He who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. If I'm keeping His commandments, then He's abiding in me, and I am Him. So, we see these three different... We see these three different people throughout what I just read to you, these three types of people. We have those that are in him, those that are not in him. And then we have those that abide in him and he abides in them. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, I haven't confused you enough. Let me see if I can do a little better. So he said in verse 2, he said in verse 2, he said, that every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. When, when you're disconnected from the vine, I, nearly, I, 
I meant to go out in my backyard and because we have a fruit-bearing tree in our backyard and I was going to snap off a branch because it's, it, it's green and it stays green for a while even though it's, it's disconnected from the branch. And this is what happens when people sin is that they, don't, they think everything is still green and the fruit is still there. When I break that branch off, the leaves are still green and vibrant and it looks pretty. And if I put it in water, it may even last for a while. You know, but the fruit looks good. And so what happens is there's deception that can sneak in that when we sin, and remember God hates sin, why? Because it separates us from him. It takes us out of fellowship. That's what it did in Adam, with Adam and Eve. They walked in the garden every day with God. They fellowshiped with him every day. They had an intimate, close relationship with him until they sinned. Now suddenly God cannot be where sin is. This is why he's worked so hard and, and, and came up with this amazing plan to bring you and I back to him. Because he said, listen, I, I want you to go much, much farther than just raising your hand and coming to the altar and asking me to come into your heart and to forgive you of all your sins. There's a purpose to forgiving, forgiveness of sins, closeness. God can't have closeness, closeness without us being forgiven. Okay, all right. So the branch, talking about the branch. So the branch still looks good. Well, here's the deception of sin is that you sin and nothing seems to change. The branch is still green. The fruit still looks good. Everything still looks like it's okay. So see, sin didn't really affect me, you know, didn't really make a difference, right? We have this tree in our backyard when we moved in. Well, it's no longer there. There's a stump there now. But when we moved in, if you've been to our house, you know that we don't have a lot of trees in our backyard. So we had this one tree, and so we were really hoping to keep that one. And, and it was green, looked beautiful when we moved in. When I looked at the tree, I noticed at the very front of the tree, it was, it was gushing out um, sap. And I thought, well, that doesn't look right because there's a lot of sap. And, and eventually, there were a couple of limbs that were dead. They were obviously dead because I could break them off after a while. And it slowly, and I, all that I know is that tree may have been dead even before we moved in. But it took it two years to appear finally dead, that it's obvious. It's dead. Why? Because it has no leaves and it's all brown. But it took two years to get there. A tree takes a long time to die. When you have the life of God flowing through you, this example it took uh, Adam lived over 900 years right why did it take him so long to die he had the life of God in him it took a long time for the enemy to convince him how to die okay so so here's my point is God when God comes he comes in power but when he leaves he leaves quietly Think about Acts 2. What happened in Acts 2? 120 people in the upper room. Here comes the Holy Spirit, and there's a mighty rushing wind. And tongues of fire sit on 120 people. It look, I'm sure it looked like the whole building was on flames. I mean, really. Because why else would the whole town gather around the building and wonder, what in the world's going on? They heard the noise. They saw something he came in power, right? The road to Damascus, Saul is on his horse. Here comes Jesus in power. 
light just covers Saul. Saul falls off of his horse. He's blind for three days until somebody prays for him. The power, he comes in power, but he leaves quietly. Remember Samson? Samson was living a life of sin. He didn't think it was affecting him at all. And he got up thinking that morning, Samson, the enemy's on you. He's going to throw them off. He couldn't. Why? The spirit had already departed. He didn't know it. That's my point. He didn't know that the spirit had departed. See, see, there's no sin that you and I can sin and get away with. It always separates us from God. It always separates us from the Father. And it doesn't matter if it's the sin of criticism, gossip, or murder. I mean, it, it's, separate. it's designed to separate you from God. But I've got some good news for you. We've heard enough bad news, amen? All right, so let me give you, let me give you a few things before I give you that answer. The standard of abiding, this is the standard in 1 John 2, verse 6. It says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Man, God, that's a a large demand. You want me to live the way Jesus did? Yeah. But he's not asking you to do it by yourself. He wants to empower you. He's going to help you. Say, oh, thank God, you're going to help me. So, so, so if you want to change the root, though, you've got to change. If you, I said it backwards, didn't I? If you want to change the fruit, you've got to change the root. Amen? All right. So, a tree is known by its fruit. 1 John 3, verse 6 says this. It says, whoever abides in him does not sin. How does that work? We know that sin pulls us from the presence of God, that it separates, it causes division. God can't fellowship with that. But I've got good news for you. One one of the things that we've been learning on Wednesday night is in this intimate relationship that God wants to have with us is he's bringing us all the way past the place where we ask forgiveness, where we get cleansed, and we come into the holy place where now seeking him and now we're no longer just needs to be met and it's no longer about us because this is where Christians have spent a lot of our time it's about us it's about me being forgiven it's about me going to heaven so I can live in my mansion that's not what it's all about by the way you're only going to be in heaven for a little while read read your bible why God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth we don't live in heaven forever we live with him forever. So, so we come out of there and we come into the holy place and now we're seeking him. And then he begins to draw us into the holy place. God wants to draw all of us. He, that's what he did at the mountain when he brought the children of Israel out into the wilderness. And he, he delivered them with an amazing deliverance from, the, from Egypt. And he brought them out into the wilderness. Why did he bring them to that mountain? Because he wanted all of them to come up on the mountain and fellowship with him. There was a problem. Sin. They were so afraid of God. Even though though God told them exactly how to do it. To get consecrated. 
See, here's what I find happens with me in prayer. The more of an intimate relationship I come into with God, the more he seems to strip away from my life. And, and, and why? He's not stripping things away because, because they're wrong. Or it, it doesn't, that's not always the case. I mean, oftentimes, man, the Holy Spirit will convict your heart. If, if you get vulnerable with him and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me things that are preventing me from going deeper with you, oh, he will, he will show you. Because he's amazing that way. That's his job. He's the one that convicts hearts. He's the one that's, that could be dealing with you raving right now as I'm talking on different things. Because we're all, you know, we're all at different places, but he's me of those things because he wants me to come closer to him. Why? Let's look at some scriptures on that. Oh. I think I bypassed a couple. I'm all over the place. My graphics person is going, where are you? Thanks, Marsha. You have a good heart. Uh, turn over to Psalm uh, 27. Psalm chapter 27. And <clears throat> and sin is, sin is so crafty. Have you ever been on a fast and cheated on the fast? I have. Yeah. And, you know, had a bag of chips or snuck, you know, <laughs> snuck some grapes or something. You're just, ah, you know. And uh, it is too but what happens immediately when you do that whenever you cheat on a fast well i cheated i've blown this fast i might as well eat what i want i mean isn't it isn't it true but that's what happens with, sin with a lot of people they just well they figure well i've already sinned so i might as well live in it for a while or they don't they don't want to come back to god because they think god I think some people view God with, he's that, he's that mean teacher with the ruler that used to crack kids on, on the knuckles, you know, when they did things wrong. And that's not at all the way God is. God is a loving father. Yes, he does correct. And, but it's always for your benefit. It's always to take you higher. It's always to bring you to a closer place with him. Why does he want to bring you into that closer place? Psalm 27 verse 5 tells us, for in let's verse five sorry for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle look at where he's hiding you in the secret place of the tabernacle he shall hide me he shall set me high upon a rock the hiding place and then if you look at psalm 91 as well it says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's like a mother hen. Jesus said, I, as a mother hen, remember when he said that? I've, want, I've longed to bring you under my wings. Why? Because he wants to hide you from the enemy. When we abide with him in the holy place, it's amazing what happens. The closer I come to him, the more I hear his voice. Because I used to be way out here in the outer court. And I'm going, what'd you say, God? I can hear you. But the closer I come, the louder his voice becomes, even though it's a whisper. 
it becomes louder in my heart and the softer the flesh comes. See, this is where most Christians are living. And so the flesh is out here. This is where the enemy badgers you. This is where he attacks you. This is where he tries to frustrate any faith that you might have, any desire to draw near to God. He doesn't want you drawing near to God. Why? Because the enemy can't go in there. He can't go all the way in. But now here, I might be able to talk you out of it. I might be able to get you to say amen and come back out. Because you came in and you got, you got yourself forgiven. And so, so what happens is Christians wind up in this endless loop. We go in, we get forgiven, we come back out, we sin again. We go in, get forgiven, come out, and we keep going around and around and around. And every time we come in here, now when we come in here, I mean, we're, we're crying <laughs> and, and, we, and we're always repentant. God wants to draw us on in and he's got some so much of a better plan than just forgiveness of sins that's just the starting point that's ground zero of what he wants to do in us and through us he wants to draw us into this close relationship this intimate relationship where you are under the shadow of his wings so there's no mistake that Ark of the Covenant, where his presence was, was this place that kind of, I mean, it was about this width, and it has two cherubim on it, and their wings nearly touch at the top. And this is where God's presence was on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the shadow of wings. That's what God wants to do with you and I. He wants to hide us. He, see, he wants us to come into the hidden place. And here, here's what happens, is the more you draw into that place and the more that you get closer and closer to him, the less of a grip the enemy has on you. Phil, are you telling me that it is possible to live in a place where the enemy can't touch you? I am. That's what I'm reading in the Word. It's the hiding place. But it's sin that takes us back out. And I'm not saying this has to be a long process. I mean, when you, if, if you sin and the Holy Spirit makes you aware of it, man, get on your knees and repent. Get back in the temple. You don't want to hang out. Ah, what are you hiding from? Sin. I'm hiding in his presence. He's hiding me, actually. I'm not hiding because I'm afraid. But I love him more. I love God so much. I want all I can, all I can stand. I, I want every bit of this relationship with him. I want my friendship to go as deep as possible. I, I want the honor of him calling me friend. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, man. So good. I want to pray for you. I just felt to really, I felt like it was the right time to just jump right in there. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room?
my heart has never been to embarrass anyone, but God puts a draw on people. And we have to go public for him. That's what he asks us to do. He says, he said, if you're ashamed of me before man, you'll be ashamed of me before my father in heaven, or I'll be ashamed of you. And, and so there's this freedom that comes when we are willing to be real and admit that Phil, or you know, that God, I, I've sinned and I'm asking you to forgive me. If that's you and you're ready to get it under the blood, you, you're done living on the outside of the tabernacle. You want to come into the holy place, the holy of holies and experience him and, and have fellowship with him and hide in him. It's, it's, it's the place that he designed for us to live, that we could always walk with him. Then, then there's this amazing thing that happens is that we begin to pray without ceasing because God's talking to our heart. In the Holy of Holies, it's no longer a physical relationship. In the Holy of Holies, it's spiritual. In the outer court, it's physical. In the, in the holy place, it's soul. There's your soulish realm, but in the holy of holies, this is heart to hearts. This is spirit to spirit. And the amazing thing is that you're able to pray loud and not say a word. Wow. And let me tell you who leads you in there. It's Jesus. He paved the way. He died on the cross. The curtain was ripped. And now he's saying, come on. Let me show you to the arms of my father. <laughs> if that's you, maybe you've been hitting a roadblock in prayer. Maybe you've been at a place and you haven't known what was going on. But the Holy Spirit has revealed to you through this message that there's something not right. And you want to get it under the blood of Jesus. If that's... You, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand all around the room boldly. Just say, yeah, Phil, that's me. All around the room, I want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. If you've got sin in your heart and you're saying, Phil, I need to repent. I need to come back. I want to come into that place if that's you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray over every person. Lord, you know the hearts. You know what's going on. And I thank you, Lord, that those things that you've revealed to them, Lord, we put those under the blood. We ask for forgiveness. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Give us humble hearts so that we can go into the holy of holies. That's where we want to live. We want to abide in you. And you in us thank you Father Lord I thank you Father for it I praise you for it I praise you for it would you begin to just pray with me just right here just in this moment
Kabada Bobo Bosso Toro Bashi, 